the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2020 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. And if this is the first time you listen to the show, hey, welcome aboard. The show is in a couple of parts. Part of it, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate. And that's very important in today's world. You want to avoid probate because the court system is extremely slow with COVID, and we're going to be backed up because of COVID problems for years. As far as elder law is concerned, we want to save assets from nursing home bills. Right now, you know, I'm accompanied by my wife, Beth, my son, Michael. And Hello, everyone. Our most prominent attorney on the radio, Nicole. Hello, hello. Hello, okay. hello. I was stepped away from the mic with our dear Otto. Yeah. Well, Otto was late today, so... But he looks really good. He does look good, doesn't he? He's all cleaned up and shorn. Nicole, do you have a question that's asked often or at least comes up every once in a while? It's actually been coming up now more than ever, I feel, because of what people are finally leaving the house after COVID and people were stuck by themselves, a lot of their family being overseas. So we're hearing it a lot now. They want to know... Does somebody have to be a U.S. citizen in order to be in charge of their estate plan? And I think the answer is different depending on what documents we're talking about. So, Mr. Connors, take it away and let the people know. That's true. Like if you have an executor of your estate, the person in charge of your will, ordinarily they should be a U.S. citizen. Now, in in theory, if you're a New York resident, they can have a green card um, and, you know, act as executor. And if they're not, if they don't have a green card and they're not a U.S. citizen, then we need, if you want them, appoint them as executor. Let's say they're in Ireland or something like that. Then we have to have a U.S. citizen as co-executor with them. And we can straighten that out. Sometimes people do wills and they, you know, make a mistake and they name a non-U.S. citizen as executor. Well, that non-U.S. citizen can then appoint an executor who's a U.S. citizen. Now, a power of attorney, it really doesn't matter what state or, or what country you live in. You can be a power of attorney for somebody. You can be a health care proxy for somebody. Now, a trust, ordinarily, we don't want a trustee to be a foreign person because the IRS could levy additional taxes because it becomes what's what we call a foreign trust. 
and subject to additional taxes. So we usually want an American citizen as a trustee. So yes, you can always appoint somebody to who's a non-U.S. citizen to to handle things. You certainly, as an executor, can have somebody who has a green card. But you got to be careful when you do these things because sometimes you can trigger, you know, additional taxes and get into problems you don't want to get into where somebody can't close on your property because they're not qualified to do so. And I should also remember if you're married to someone who's not a U.S. citizen spouse, there's not a, you know, like ordinarily there's no tax between a husband and wife, you know, as far as a death tax is concerned. But if, let's say, the husband dies first and the wife is not a U.S. citizen, well, uh, if things are done not, not done right, the wife could owe estate taxes or something like that. There's no one, There's no unlimited exclusion for a non-citizen spouse. And there's a certain kind of trust we do, what we call the qualified domestic trust, where we get those assets out tax-free when the, when the husband passes away. But as a good question, and of course, the world is changing every day now. There are more and more multinational families and blended families and things like that. So it, it's, it's something that, that's coming out a lot. And if you have any questions about taxes, you can give us a call at Connors & Sullivan. Now, later in the show, we're going to have Chang on. And Nicole, Chang's one of your favorites. Chang is the man. I am so excited for all of you to hear from him. He is just the best ever. Okay, and also part of the show, we have some friends of Elena who are going to be talking about what's going on in Ukraine right now. And, you know, it ain't it ain't pretty. Pretty is definitely not a word I would use to describe it. Yeah. You're right. All right. But it's good to hear that they're safe and back. And, you know, that's also going to be a very interesting thing to hear about. So everybody definitely stay tuned for that. Okay, well, Elena's family's still in the Ukraine. Galena's back and safe. But Elena's family's still in the Ukraine. And she spoke to them, you know, showed us their pictures on her phone. And they seem to be happy and well. But, you know, they're still kind of like in the line of fire right now because the line of fire is who knows where. Beth, you going to say something? Well, the only thing is, just remember, everybody, keep your prayers going because nobody knows how this is going to end. You know, people can't get out of one one city. So just at this point, just pray. Okay. And again, Nicole, why is Chang your favorite? Chang is just the man. Um, you all know me as a veteran. I've been here for like a hundred years already. So an in exaggeration, <laughs> it might feel like a hundred years. I've been but... here a hundred years. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. And after you, when you get to the point where I am, they just say you're the old man and don't bother listening to them. Oh, so. gosh. <laughs> So back to my veterans, if that's a word, um, just working with Chang and, you know, anybody who gets to work with Chang, he's always in very good spirits. And as a person who became a lawyer because I don't like numbers, Chang is just the happiest numbers guy I've ever met in my life. And you will feel that come through in the radio. You'll see it. It'll be a thing. God bless Chang. That's yeah, now the Chang, truth. of course, and then we're. We're beating a dead horse with you, but Chang, of course, speaks Mandarin, Fujianese, and uh, Cantonese. What languages do you speak? I speak Spanish and English, of course, but Spanish as well. And a lot of people, when we, you know, I say that, you know, we have a Spanish-speaking attorney, Nicole Donnelly, I say, how can a person named Nicole Donnelly learn how to speak Spanish? 
And it's all thanks to my good old mom. It was like the best trick ever she played on my dad. She taught me Spanish first. And then when I would go up and try to talk to him, he didn't understand anything I said. So <laughs> it really was a good dynamics between us. <laughs> where did you guys, where'd you grow up? Where'd your family grow up? Well, I grew up in Brooklyn. My mom is from Columbia. My dad also grew up in Brooklyn in the same neighborhood that I did. It was called Flatbush. Now it's called Ditmas Park, you know gentrification at its finest <laughs> well mike when you were little was sunset park bay ridge or had well, it already yeah, changed I mean, the borders of bay ridge kind of moved a little bit um actually when you know when i was growing up if you went to the subway station at 59th street uh on the fourth avenue line the r line whatever it was rr um when you went to 59th street they said 59th street station bay ridge right but right of course back then the borderline between Bay Ridge back in the uh, late 1890s, the borderline between Brooklyn and Bay Ridge was 60th Street. So when the train took you to subway train took you to 60th Street, you were leaving Brooklyn and going into Bay Ridge. It's a separate town. Yeah, because Bay Ridge was not part of New York City nor Brooklyn until 1898, which a lot of people say was the downfall of Bay Ridge, the downfall we of Brooklyn. With dear old Miss Foy. Oh, my goodness. Wasn't that her? That yes. was the end of Brooklyn. Yes, or at least it started its decline. Oh, that's huh. sad. All right, we're going to take a short break. Then we're going to be hearing from Mr. Chang. Who is the man? If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. We're now accompanied by one of our accountants, Chang. How are you doing today? Good. Okay, so, you know, let me just explain something about 
uh, if you inherit property through a trust or through a will or through an estate, let's say you real estate, let's say for the sake of argument, your parent owned a property, let's say your mom, she paid $50,000 for the property 20 years ago, it's worth a million dollars on the day she passes away. Well, if it's done right, you guys, capital gains will be wiped out by death, and you will get the stepped-up basis on the property, which in our example we said $1 million. And a lot of people don't really understand what happens with that stepped-up basis in the million dollars. So we're going to ask a series of, of questions. Now, you can depreciate. One of the things you can do, let's say you, some people say, well, it doesn't matter to me because I'm not going to sell mom's house. I'm going to rent it out. Well, if you rent it out, then you can take depreciation, which means... Let's say roughly if you have a million dollar house, $25,000 a year, uh, you get $25,000 a year tax deduction. So we have a, a couple of questions about that. And Beth, can you do the honor of reading the question? Absolutely. Um, the first question, can I choose not to take depreciation if it will reduce my house's cost basis? Chang, you're on board. Go ahead. Okay. So for that question, basically the answer is no. So for depreciation, either is you take it or you lose it because according, based on IRS, the depreciation is allowed. So it, the difference is between allowed with the ED that you took it or allowable that you, you could take it, but you didn't take it. So, so based on uh, IRS publication uh, 946, they say you must reduce the basis of the property by the depreciation allowed or allowable which is greater. Depreciation allow is depreciation, like I said, you actually took it and you receive the tax benefit by applying a deduction of the depreciation. And depreciation is um, depreciable that you are entitled to, to deduct. But if you do not claim, that means you you still, uh, you, you didn't claim it, but the basis on the house will still reduce. So you're going to have create more work uh, in a later that basically you need to uh, recoup the unused depreciation back. Okay. Let's use the example again. Let's say we have a house that was worth a million dollars on death. Now, for the sake of argument, let's say the children live in the house, then you don't have to depreciate. Yeah, because um, children live in the house, uh, it's family, so there's no rental involved. Then the house will not going to be depreciated. But some people think, let's say they have a million-dollar house, and in theory, and I'm using round numbers, you have to mm -hmm. depreciate roughly $25,000 a year minimum. Um, so some people think, well, I, I'm not renting the house out, so if I don't depreciate, I can sell my house for a million dollars tax-free, but if I hold it for a couple of years, I have to depreciate 50000 and then in theory, I can only sell it for $950,000 tax-free. Why do I have to take depreciation if there's no rent? Um, the, the, if there's no rent, you don't need to take depreciation. Um, and the thing is, if you use that for personal residence... No, let's say somebody's just having the house vacant. Okay. You inherited a million-dollar house from mom. Hmm. It's completely vacant. You're waiting for the best buyer to come forward and you want to wait two years or maybe there's a lot. Mom left a lot of junk in her house and mm -hmm. it takes a long time to get the junk out and you're waiting for the best time to sell and right now you think it's not the best time to sell so you hold the property for two years. Then then the house will be still, uh, the value will still keep the same as the time that when you inherit it. 
Okay, now let's say for the sake of argument, you are renting the house out. And, you know, and this happens an awful lot. People don't know that they're entitled to take depreciation or they get the stepped-up basis. Because a lot of times, real estate lawyers and, and some accountants don't realize you get the stepped-up basis on a property in trust. So what if, what if your mother died three, four years ago, you're running the property out, and you didn't take depreciation? What do you do then? Dan, there is a form. It's called 3115. That form, basically, you file to claim that you never use the depreciation because either the, there was a mistake from the accountant uh, because he didn't know uh, there was a step up in cost basis, then that form you file, you can recoup all the unused depreciation um, back to the, uh, put, that, put that into the Schedule E as a 481 adjustment. Okay, how far back can you go? Um, as far as you use it for rental, and as long as you never claimed it, so it's a manual calculation that we need to do to compare how much allow by you didn't use. Sorry, how much allowable you didn't use it, and how much you use. So we calculate the differences and then put that basically recoup everything back. For how many years back? Um, there's no limitation. All right, now let let's say for the sake of argument. Uh, and by the way, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. Let's say we have a husband and wife. Uh, husband dies. We can uh, depreciate from the husband at least half from the husband's date of death. Now, if they happen to buy the property before January 1st, 1977, we might be able to get the whole depreciation on the husband's death. And, you know, somebody's saying out there, well, why is he saying husband's death? Well, uh, there is a, a quirk in the law that if somebody bought a property before 1977 and one of the family members was working and the other one was not, we get a full stepped up basis on the property purchased before 1977. And the reason I use husband is because if you go back, you know, before 1977, there are very few wives that were working with the husband not working. But if that is the case, you know, and that's one of the things I think that gets overlooked a lot because a lot of people don't realize that the law changed in January 1977. So if a husband and wife bought, bought a house before 1977 uh, and, and the husband died, the wife may be entitled to a tremendous tax basis, uh, a depreciation to take from the husband's date of death. But at the very least, she'd be able to take at least half the property from her husband's date of death, which let's say if you have a million dollar property, she can depreciate $500,000 which is still going to get you, you know, $10,000 uh, $10, a year plus in depreciation. And let me ask you, when we're doing yes. this, the, the land doesn't depreciate. So how does it get factored in, Chang? So land is not depreciable. So basically, you need to determine uh, the value of the land. Um, it's very easy. Uh, if, you, if the house is in New York City, you can always go to uh, New York City website and look for their assessment value. And to determine what percentage of the land, and then make sure that you, if your house purchase or either you receive a step up as that value of that, don't take the entire value for depreciation. Calculate that percentage of the land, and then deduct that percentage out of the uh, the basis. And yeah. So, like again, getting back to our example, if you have a million dollar house, now, in actuality, the numbers are really not. I mean. In Brooklyn, 
for the most part, if you had a million dollar house, I'd probably say the land is worth 500 and the building's worth 500. But we were able to probably get away with the, the land being worth about 150,000 and the building depreciated about 850, give or take. Yes. You know, so if, if you're in one of these situations, somebody dies owning some real estate. And I can't tell you, I would think people have lost out on hundreds of thousands of dollars of deductions because they didn't get the right advice when somebody died. And I mean, this happens to us every once in a while. We did some planning for people a few years back. Husband and wife, husband dies. Wife doesn't come in to get any um, advice. And she literally might lose a couple hundred thousand dollars in deductions off. Let's say she's got a two-family house and she's renting part of that house out. She literally may be, you know, losing hundreds of thousands of dollars in deductions if she doesn't get the right advice. You know, and, and like we keep saying, this stuff is not uh, rocket science or anything like that. It's not brain surgery. But at the same time, it's not easy. And if you don't know the rules when somebody passed away, if you don't know the taxes, when somebody passed away and you don't get the right advice, you'd be costing your family, you know, a lot of money. But Chang, where where are you from originally? Tell the audience a little about yourself personally. Um, I'm from uh, mainland China. Um, uh, it's like near, it's a, it's a small island uh, right across from Taiwan. And I think because of that, I I speak a lot language. So two, the two most popular language in China and the dialect from where I'm from. So total three language. So what are, what are those dialects it's, um, that you're... So main, mainly uh, the Mandarin is like, this is the national language in China. And Cantonese, I would say that's the second most popular in China. And the dialect from Fuzhou, that's Fuzhounese, is where I'm from. Uh, I think in, in New York City, uh, so Flushing or Manhattan, Chinatown, Brooklyn, Chinatown, Fuzhounese is one of the most popular, uh, popul most largest population in, in your city. What about, it seems to me a lot of the people in Brooklyn speak Cantonese though. Yeah, because they are originally from uh, Guangzhou. So when they had a railroad work and all their generation, they, they speak in Cantonese. How different is Cantonese from Mandarin and so forth? I would say they're completely different. Um, it, it, it you can't compare it to so if someone doesn't doesn't know Cantonese and you speaking only know Mandarin you speaking Cantonese there's barely no words similar to each other barely so it's not like some of our Italian clients where they speak different dialects from Italy but they still can kind of understand each other I would say it's different from dialect because Cantonese considering it's a dialect only the south uh, southern part of China they speak they, they speak so it's very different okay now again you usually work out of the brooklyn office and uh, you know we got to get you kicking and screaming to go to one of the <laughs> bayside office or whatever to translate but you know rest the rest of the office pretty you know doesn't speak cantonese mandarin fujinese or anything like that so you're our man <laughs> yeah so you got to go you got to go to flushing once in a while yeah. To our Bayside office. Yep. So I have a question right now. Um, yeah. it, it's a real scenario. Uh, I think uh, I I got it, I think, last week from one of the clients. So basically, I mean, a lot of clients now, 
when they're getting old, they're planning for either、um, buying the house and give it to their children or leave it in a trust. So, I mean, from tax filing perspective, I would say it. Yeah, if you if you give the the, the house or、um, using the money and buy the house and giving it to your children, then it's very easy to file give tax return and report that. But if we answer that question from estate planning perspective, should client give it to the children or just put in the trust and then as the children as a beneficiary? Well, a lot a lot depends what we have. You, you know, and one of the things might be, which is in-laws. You know, do you give the house to your daughter, and then are you making a gift to your son-in-law, or you know, the other way around? You know, are you giving the the house to your son and also making a gift to your daughter-in-law? So, if you're afraid of, let's say, the daughter-in-law or the son-in-law inheriting the property, we may put it in the trust. If your kids have married twenty years and they're living in this property that you're talking about, you may want to make a gift. Because after they own the property for two years, they get a 250 exemption themselves off the capital gains, 250 for husband, 250 for wife. Even if, let's say, you, you you put the property in your son's name, if he's married, and he sells the property for a $500,000 gain later, he's still not paying income tax, even if his wife's name's not on the deed, which is、uh, you know another thing that some people don't know. And whether you make a gift or not, sometimes like when when kids. From our point of view, the the children of our parents、uh, are buying property. Sometimes we do it as a loan, but in case they do get divorced,、uh, we're not making a gift to a daughter-in-law who may not be a daughter-in-law in a couple of years, or a son-in-law who may not be a son-in-law in a couple of years. And you know, a lot of things happen out there, and you got to be prepared. But I, I would say we start getting more getting away from the estate tax into, you know, like, do we need to be protected from in-laws? And you know, in, in today's world, even people who are married twenty years get divorced. People who are married forty, fifty years get divorced.、Uh, one of our clients, I understand, was one of the oldest、uh, persons to get divorced in Kings County not that long ago, and he was well in his nineties. And you know, you never know what's going to happen. Beth, what did she do to him? Why? <laughs> Or what did he do to her? Well, you know, one of the things that occasionally happens in today's world. People are living longer, and so when they get to the point where they can't take care of themselves, sometimes the spouse says, "I can't be bothered," and that's what happens.、Uh, it's tough. It's tough. We know a lot of people, couples that are both ill, and it gets to the point where they just they can't help each other. And all the frustrations come back because these are usually people that have taken care of themselves their whole lives, and it's it's so hard. It's just heartbreaking. So、um, you do the best you can. Even as as we as we get older, Mister Connors, you know, I guess we're going to have to try not to get on each other's nerves. What do you think? <laughs> I will. I will admit, and I apologize to everybody here because we were extremely late today for this for this recording, because Otto had to get a haircut, and 
It took forever. He doesn't look too happy from it either. He's not happy, but I'm so sorry we're late. Poor Chang. I mean, this is the middle of tax season, and Mr. Chang here waited and waited. You keep, a, you keep an accountant waiting. You keep a lawyer waiting. Me. <laughs> we're not, not nice that, people. The next lawyer's waiting. So I'm so sorry. Gets the haircut. Talking about the priorities in this world being mixed up. Well, we love Otto. All right. Meanwhile, Chang, thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Nice, my pressure to be here. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Uh, you know, obviously, everybody's been talking about the war in, in Ukraine over the last few weeks. And we decided, you know, hey, maybe we'll get to talk a couple of people who are from the Ukraine. And, and right now we have Pablo and, and Daria. Welcome to Connors Corner. Good afternoon. Hey, so where are you guys from? Um, we're from Ukraine. I'm from Kiev. And I'm from Lviv, the western city in Ukraine. Okay, so, you know, I, I I would dare say a month ago, nobody had any idea what cities you're from. And I think today everybody's got a pretty good idea of where all the cities in the Ukraine are. But what's going oh, yeah. on there right now from your perspective? So, uh, from 21st of February, Russia launched a large-scale invasion of Ukraine. And and how can we possibly even analyze it, even if the head of Russian Federation, Vladimir Putin, could not even admit it was an invasion or a war, preferring the fiction of a special military operation. And he told the Russia, uh, Russian people his goal was to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, to protect people subject, subjected what he called eight years of genocide of Russian-speaking population by Ukraine's government. And it was just another excuse. And as a Ukrainian who speaks both Ukrainian and Russia, I have never heard any negative words or complaints about my language. And they claim they want to protect all of us, but only we didn't ask for it. We had a prosperous country that was developing every year. Yet when the foot of a Russian soldier entered our land, saying that it's only our salvation, they do nothing uh, but kill the civilians and destroy our infrastructure, depriving millions of people without homes. And, and the question is, what will happen next? When will the war end? But the man who controls the Russia is sustainable. And yesterday he wants to invade Ukraine. And today he threatens to use nuclear weapons against each country in the world. And tomorrow he may want to attack the, another country of NATO. 
this is the incarnation of Hitler, about whom we heard a lot and read in history books. But now it's not a book, it's the reality. We just need to know about that. And how, how as, as best you know, how do the Ukrainian people feel right now? How are their spirits doing? Um, I want to add to what the Doris had. Okay. And I totally um, agree with what she said and answering your question. We are doing our best. Our president is uh, gave the great example of being a strong person, being the strong leader of the nation. He is right now supporting each uh, mayor of our city uh, of Ukraine. And uh, without him, I wouldn't think so there would be any other chance that the Ukrainian army would stand the way they are right now at our borders, protecting our people, uh, protecting the people of uh, Europe, protecting NATO borders too. Because as for now, as we see from our viewpoint, Ukraine is protecting the whole Europe. No, I think you have a point on that, you know, because, you know, if if he takes Ukraine, he's next to Poland, and let alone Latvia and Estonia and, and Lithuania. Oh, I'm sorry, can you repeat the, because we didn't hear you. Well, well, I said you have a point there, because if he takes Ukraine, then he's on the border of Poland. Yeah. And then you're right next to NATO. Well, right. How can Americans help Ukraine right now? Can you can you say that again? Okay, how can Americans help Ukraine right now? Right, uh, so the easiest, simplest way that we mentioned before uh, while we were presenting uh, this case uh, at our school, uh, we mentioned to uh, our students, our classmates, that the simplest way we can... Uh, they can do is just share the choose information, share the information about what is happening uh, in Ukraine, and that uh, there is a war that it's uh, been conducted by Russian troops, that they invaded the Crimea and part of Donbass and Luhansk in 2014. And this war, it's, it was ongoing before that. So nowadays, we just have the full scale war on our land and uh this um is going to impact uh everybody right now also in our globalized world and uh i also mentioned that by simple donations to our uh, non um military total peaceful uh, funds would help our people our civilians uh help our our citizens generally to protect themselves, protect their kids, protect the women who are leaving, escaping from their houses all over Ukraine uh, to settle down and uh, get some peaceful uh, shelter in Europe. Because as for now, we see that Europe is not ready to accept uh, people uh, from Ukraine as they believe there's uh, national war, like Ukrainian and uh, Russian war, it's not going to go global. This is what they think. This I believe, is what also happened in the uh, 20th century during the World War II, when Europe underestimated the Hitler uh, plans of going about the Poland. And right now, we as Ukrainians, we feel that there is a need for further help from NATO, from uh, EU, to provide 
more uh, military humanitarian uh, medical help to uh, our government, to our people. I mean, I know you're, you're not politicians, but I don't think anybody in NATO wants a no-fly zone because they don't want to be shooting Russian planes down. But what what's your feeling on it? So as as I uh, you probably understand, uh, I have a biased opinion, and as for sure, I've been watching a lot of independent media uh, regarding their opinion uh, of no flight zone and its uh, impossible uh, way of implementing. So uh, I still believe so. There's a way that NATO can provide their support without actually uh, being the part of. Uh, this war, because if they're afraid of nuclear weapons that Russia is threatening the whole world with, uh, then uh, what what will happen if actually Russia is going to threaten them with uh, the chemical weapons or something that is less uh, dangerous but still could affect uh, a huge part of Europe? So uh, getting to your questions, uh, no-fly zone probably is not a solution. We need... A, uh, mil- military equipment, uh, anti-warfare, uh, uh, anti-warfare weapons, uh, planes, just to protect our air, protect the air about Ukraine, also not letting the Russian uh, airplanes get to NATO borders. Because as soon as they're going to get the uh, whole Ukraine, there is no promises that Putin will stop at Ukrainian borders are we not going to pass through the Poland, the Hungary, Slovenia, Slovakia, uh, Belarus, Armenia, probably Greece and Turkey. Do you feel, and, and I mean, I know, again, you're not politicians, but do you feel that Putin will use nuclear weapons on Ukraine? I think he just threatens us. So that we would be afraid of him, that he's powerful politician and men who um, who who can do everything towards everyone, and he uh, doesn't care about the rules in the world. Um, I think he he won't use it because um, the man is so desperate. He has a, uh, a lot of a lot of emotions towards Ukrainian. He, he, I think that he hates hates them, uh, and uh, he is afraid of his own life. He's sitting in a bunker, uh, just like from COVID. He's sitting there, and uh, I think the man who is so afraid uh, of even the viruses, he wouldn't uh, dare to threaten. Uh, even U.S., you know, with a nuclear power, because if he threatens the U.S., then the U.S. will uh, will bombard Russia, and then probably is going to be collapse of the whole world, and a lot of people going to be killed. And maybe he also going to be killed. So, what is the point of that? Let me ask you guys something. Last year, the end of last year, did you think that this was going to happen? That Russia was going to invade Ukraine? You know that the, the military actions would be at such a high scale. Right, great question. And uh, just to start with, we want to mention that we had uh, active uh, combat uh, on our eastern part of Ukraine in Donbass and Luhansk eight years ago, and they're still going on. 
and in deep in our hearts we were uh really embarrassed we were uh excited about every day about every day uh waking up in the morning checking the news and understanding that there's going to be one uh day when this is going to happen we were not expecting this is going to happen uh, in our um in our age in our um life but it happened and it came so fast and it was definitely expected for a lot of the Ukrainians because we we tend to not trust the politicians like Putin who threatened the whole world with uh their uh invasions with their weapons as we believe that there is uh definitely some clear understanding of all the potential damage that can be caused uh to the Russian economy to the Russian people to the Russian uh political uh station and right now we believe so that you, um, Europe and US will keep supporting Ukraine not letting this uh thing go- keep going on and let Russia just go with a uh, couple of regions that they already invaded the uh, region with the um Chernobyl and clear power plant the Anagodar nuclear power plant it was bombed uh 100 times by russian troops they were try to threaten the whole europe that they're going to blow it up they're going to uh have the the biggest uh catastrophe in the history of this planet and they were just uh threatening with no uh clear understanding of what they may actually do with this how they actually can end up everything like all over the world it could cause the global damage now do you guys have any friends do you have any contact do you know how the russian people really feel or uh, how much dissent is there in russia right now any idea i have uh, i have relatives in russia uh and before it happened we were talking with them as as always and uh we were uh we were telling them that we have like some feelings that this war is going to happen and they were laughing at us saying that we are crazy and we just made it up and it's not going to happen because it's putin is like he's going to save everyone he's good man and everything and uh now when it's all happened um they even didn't text us and then um when my mother like uh texted my aunt she 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 just saw the message and she didn't reply even because they are afraid to say like anything they are uh they are afraid to post something on social media they are afraid uh, to say some words towards ukraine because it's like uh because if they say so then it's they are against the Rus- uh, their their government their community and their country so they're just afraid uh-huh. I also want to add, add up, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um the Daria just mentioned really a um important part that a lot of Russians are uh probably not supporting Putin and his uh, uh actions against Ukraine, but they're afraid to go out, afraid to protest, afraid to go outside in their cities, in their city centers to uh speak, speak out loud, show the whole world that there's a, a dictator in their country who just uh control the the government uh in a in a armed way there is he has no support and maybe 
later on the, the Russian government are going to understand that there's no further actions to be done in order to stop uh, you know, revolutions, uh, protests in Russia. So as for now, U.S. and uh, Europe can uh, just help Ukraine withstand all these uh, forces coming from Russia. Because as we see, uh, Russian people who have been uh, listening to this propaganda for uh, many years, they are zoned. They're just uh, under influence of their social media, under their uh, televisions, and they had no other uh, reality besides what the Russian television is telling them. And this is the problem right now. If uh, we're going to imply the strict sanctions against the social media or against the television in Russia, people are going to lose all the connection with the with the truth, with the uh, Western world at all. Like, we want the Russian people the fastest and the easiest uh, way to understand what is going on and be supportive of Ukraine, no matter what they were thinking before. Because we all make uh, mistakes. We all uh, do stupid things. And I also a lot of Russians right now who are, have no enough information about uh, what is going on um, at Ukrainian territory are afraid to speak out loud. They're afraid to post this on media because they know they're going to be imprisoned. They're going to be uh, put into police stations and be beaten by the Amman or other special troops in Russia. It's a dictator, uh, dictatorship country that is what's going on uh, in the 21st century, unfortunately. How do you guys think this war will end? We don't know. We are we're discussing it every day, trying to come up with one solution. But actually, like the ways of ending the war, there are multiply ways of ending. Uh, so we think we we hope it's going to end soon. But um, probably we don't know. Maybe it's going to continue for a long time. You know, month, year. I don't know. And uh, we don't know. Um, how it's going to end. With nuclear power, I don't think so, but with uh, killing a lot of Ukrainians and uh, destroying uh, like our infrastructure, I think it's already happening and it will happen unless we, we're going to stop it. We don't know the, the, end, the ending of that. We're just trying to pray for it and trying to, to hope, you know. We don't have hope anything. Yeah. We don't have anything else. <laughs> We're trying to do at, at least something here, you know, to raise an awareness uh, so that people would understand what is happening and that it can impact on, on U.S. also, you know, because we don't know what Vladimir Putin is going to do. So just need to know what is happening, uh, analyze it as much as we can. And, and yeah, that's what I want to say. Where, where can Americans, you know, you, you're talking about where you know, raise awareness. Where can Americans learn more about what's going on and where can they help contribute? So as uh, what we see for now, uh, the American uh, media are doing a great job in illustrating uh, the, the reality of the Ukrainian-Russian war. And uh, if, if the people are 
interested in if they are willing to get more. Sometimes it's uh, too sensitive uh, media, uh, text. They can go to uh, different uh, social media uh, accounts that have been created already. Like so, uh, if if some of your listeners are using the Instagram, they can go on the Ukrainian Now account and um, check almost hourly so of the situation in Ukrainian cities, of the situation with humanitarian corridors that are being uh, always bombed by Russian troops and always uh, been passed by some uh, unclear um, uh, their requirements. There's always uh, a way to know the truth and yes, and as as far as we know, uh, the station uh, in Russia from our uh, Russian friends that are here in in US, we want uh, give the Russian the chance probably to realize that something's going on with their economy, with their country, with their political uh, decisions, with their government who is not thinking about the Russian people. They're thinking about their ambitions, sometimes really uh, harmful and dangerous to the rest of the world. All right. Well, thank you guys for sharing your thoughts with us. And believe me, I, I think I you know, have a pretty good handle on our audience, and I think everybody in the audience is praying for Ukraine. I mean, I don't think, you know, I know there's some people here and there that have doubts, but I, I would dare say that everybody in the audience is behind you guys, and good luck, and we'll pray for the future. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you for inviting us. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Great chance to speak out loud to the American uh, community to uh, your American fr- uh, friends, listeners, who are also be able to share it to their friends all over the world. Okay. Again, thank you. Thank you. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope, we can give them medicines, we can give them medical equipment, we can give them everything they're looking for, because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, they are cousins, sisters, they are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help, too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Listen, we're going to close now with the Lord's Prayer in Ukrainian. You know, God bless Ukraine. Let's pray for peace. See you on the same stations and times next week. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer. God bless you all. Thank you.
Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors & Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors and Sullivan, Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.